When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dugout Download, an Astros podcast. I'm Steve Schaefer of the Houston Chronicle, along with Astros beat writer Matt Kawahara. And Matt, the playoffs are underway. Astros got that all-important buy after... Um, sweeping the Arizona Diamondbacks, and uh, they've had days to get rested and prepared for the Minnesota Twins who come in for game one on Saturday. And if we're to appraise this series, and we'll get into some deep things, but just overall impressions of this matchup from you. Yeah, I think you have to, I mean, I I think anybody would sort of objectively look at this since the Astros have to be favored. I mean, you look at the Twins coming out of the, the Central, the AL Central, which is a division where they were the only team with a winning record. Everybody else was sub-500 teams. Um, and I, I, I think even going into the wild card series, a lot of people thought that the Blue Jays would probably be maybe the stronger, uh, the stronger team in that matchup against the Twins. But the Twins ended up sweeping the series. Their pitching was outstanding. Um, they were able to just kind of get the timely hits. And yeah, it was a low scoring series, but they were able to outpitch the Blue Jays, hold that lineup down and advance in two games. So I, I don't know. I, I, you know, the Astros aren't going to be taking the Twins lightly. I mean, we talked to, uh, general manager Dana Brown a little bit today, and he was he had some really really sort of strong uh, positive things to say about about the Twins, about the way that they pitch. Um, I mean, we, we'll probably get into a little bit about the the nuts and bolts of their team, but uh, this is uh, I, I think this is going to be. I mean, I think you look at it still as the Astros go in as the favorite, given both uh, their experience, uh, their pedigree, and maybe just even overall depth of of lineup and uh i guess potent lineup and um some of the the starting pitching matchups but when we can talk about that i, th- I think uh but there's no way that they're going to be going into the series taking it lightly yeah you know one of the things when i look at the matchup i'm thinking if you compare the lineups and the astros who are as healthy as they've been all year maybe michael brantley will be available on a daily basis i know dusty baker hopes that's the case but We'll see, but uh, ostensibly the Astros really are as healthy as they as they've been. And I look at the Twins lineup, and I just think you know the most feared element of that lineup. Royce Lewis has seventy games of major league experience, and that's one of the things I just think the playoff pedigree is going to come into play. But one of the benefits, obviously, of getting the five days off is the ability to set your pitching rotation. The Astros have that ability; the Twins do not. So let's talk about at least these first two games of the series that'll be at Minute Maid Park this weekend and how the Astros will approach that against who the Twins get to start. Yeah, so the Astros will go Justin Verlander in game one, uh, Framber Valdez in game two, 
which I mean, really, you look at the last two starts that Verlander had, where he took the shutout bid into uh, into the ninth inning in Seattle. Uh, he had the five scoreless innings against Arizona, where he wasn't as efficient. His command probably wasn't as good as it was in the Seattle start, but his stuff, he said he felt really good about the stuff. Um, and I think, I mean, given those two starts, it makes a lot of sense to lead off with him. Uh, and then, you you know, you have Valdez going in game two. I'm sure they feel really good about it as well. And like you mentioned, the Twins, you know, they used uh, Pablo Lopez in game one of the wildcard series and then Sonny Gray in game two. Lopez uh, wouldn't be probably available to start again until uh, game two of the wildcard series. So the Twins were going, uh, the way that they lined up for the wild, I'm sorry, the, um, the, the way that the Twins lined up for game three of the wildcard series was they were going to have Joe Ryan start that. It You would think, I, I don't think they've announced this or have announced their plans, but um, you would think that maybe Ryan slots in in game one of the LDS against the Astros, and then they could go... Lopez on, on uh, regular rest coming back for game two and, and then maybe Sonny Gray in game three. Um, the Astros saw both Gray and um, and Joe Ryan twice in the regular season. Uh, Gray had a couple of pretty decent starts against them. They were able to get to Ryan a little bit. I think they scored nine runs against him in 10 innings across the two starts. Uh, they did not see Pablo Lopez, um, so that'll be a little bit of a different look for them. But on the other hand, uh, the Twins in the two regular series, uh, regular season series that they played against each other, which the Twins did win four out of six games, but they didn't see from Valdez, they did not see Christian Javier, and they did not see Justin Berlander this season uh, before he rejoined the uh, the Astros um, at the trade deadline. So, uh, so there's going to be, I, I mean, they they will have some familiarity with these pitches from from before. But uh, in terms of just recency, um, the Astros have definitely had a little bit of a more recent look at the starters they're going to see in the series than the Twins have. Obviously, one of the big storylines of this series is Carlos Correa's return to Houston, and he was a big factor in Minnesota's wild card sweep. Um, offensively, he got the only RBI in the clincher. They won two to nothing. He had a bases loaded single, and then the next run scored on a bases loaded double play. And he did make two key defensive plays as people didn't see them. Game one. Little infield dribbler, third baseman had come in. So Bo Bichette's trying to score all the way from second. Correa comes over from his position, fields the ball, and throws him out. Just a bullet of the throw. A lot The defense we came to expect in Houston from Carlos Correa. And then the timed pickoff in game two with Sonny Gray to eliminate one of really what was only two Blue Jay threats in that entire game. His return is uh, certainly drawing headlines. What do you make of it? What do, what, do, what do you think the Astros think of this? I mean, they they welcome back this former teammate. Obviously, they want to win, but have you sensed anything special on the Astros' part about facing Correa? Uh, no, not necessarily. I think they've done a pretty good job of downplaying it so far. Uh, we've only talked to a few guys, but I mean, it's I think it's pretty much business as usual for them. I mean, he this is his second year away from them. He left after the twenty one season, so. Um, but so they saw him earlier this year, I believe, also um, for a couple of games. Uh, I, I think you know they're they're more focused on on the Twins as an opponent overall. But I mean, anybody who saw, saw that game two of the the wild card series after after the win, Carlos Correa was interviewed on the field uh, on the ESPN broadcast and and drew a parallel to um, the sort of the nascent, uh, stages of, of what is now the, the Astros sort of sustained run of success. When he was talking about the twins, he said that their current team reminds him a lot of the 2015 Astros when they had some, a lot of young guys coming in and, and joining some, some veterans who had a little bit of experience and things started to mesh and they really took off. 
Um, and he said, you know, he sees the same or a similar thing happening uh, with this this twins group. So uh, it'll be an interesting matchup for sure. I mean, I there are different you know ways that you can look at just the way the two teams match up against each other, which uh, we can talk about sort of the the, the offense, the lineups versus versus the pitching and and sort of the strengths of each. Uh, but I think there are, there are some some really compelling elements um, on this series. And uh, I mean, just to touch on one, like the uh, the twins, it, you might be hard pressed, I guess, to to name, uh, you know, sort of the standouts uh, of their offense. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Royce Lewis, who's a young guy, and and part of the reason is because they play a lot of matchups. Um, they will do a fair amount of platooning, um, depending on the handedness of the starter, and and a lot of in game substitutions. But but they they're really deep in terms of the the options that they can run out there. And they, as an offense, they ranked, they tied for third, uh, hitting the most home runs in the majors this year. And they did that with nobody, no one player on the roster hitting more than 24. Max Kepler uh, led their roster with 24 home runs, but they had a dozen different hitters with double digits. And that was one thing that you saw was a bit of an issue for Astros pitching this season, especially in the second half, was giving up home runs. Um, Justin Verlander had a couple of starts where he gave up uh, multiple or few home runs, um, which can be, you know, sometimes a, a bit of an issue with him, just in the way that he pitches with the fastball and elevates the fastball a little bit. And and the Astros, as a as a team, their pitching staff allowed more home runs. It was close, but they did allow more home runs at home, where they're obviously going to be starting the series than they did on the road. Um, so that that's that's one thing that you're probably going to want to keep an eye on. It's just you know, can can the Astros keep this lineup in the park, even though maybe. It doesn't look like name-wise, maybe the most formidable lineup out there. Um, there is definitely some pop there. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, generally in playoff baseball, if you can out-homer your opponent, your odds of winning go up. Now, I did look at some of these numbers. The Twins, I think, tied um, for third in the majors in homers. Now, the Astros had 11 fewer, but it is worth noting that Jose Altuve missed 72 games. Jordan Alvarez missed 48 games. So, you throw those in there, you're going to have a few more homers on the Astros side and probably have to catch the Twins, obviously, things starting anew. But um, I look at the Twins, and they are they did finish the season strongly. They won, including the sweep over Toronto. Now, they've won 20 of their last 30 games. But then, let's dig into that, and I look at who they beat. Okay, they beat at the start of that. This really goes back to the start of September. They took two or three from the Rangers, but then their schedule, okay, they took a series from the Guardians, then the Mets. They lost a series to the Rays. They took three or four from the White Sox. Uh, they took two or three from the Reds. They took two or three from the Angels. They took two or three from the A's. They took two or three from the Rockies, but they weren't exactly beating up on the greatest of teams. And so I, I, I keep looking back and I think, well, okay, yes, they're on a roll, but, but they're really about to have it taken up a notch against this Astros team that is trying to get to the LCS for the seventh consecutive year against a team that won its first playoff game since 2004, just a few days ago. We can talk about the bullpens a little bit, too, because when you look at last year's Astros championship, I don't think they get there without the bullpen. Ryan Presley was superb. He allowed one unearned run throughout the postseason. Ryan Abreu didn't allow any runs, period. And Abreu brings a streak of 27 appearances without allowing a run. He hasn't allowed a run since July 18th. Minnesota has a pretty good bullpen, and they showed that they were not afraid to throw everybody out there against Toronto. John Duran is, uh, throws the fastest ball in the majors, I guess the fastest in history, uh, if I'm not mistaken. How do you look at the bullpens and how important they'll be in this series? 
Yeah, well, first of all, just to go back to um, what you were saying about kind of the the down the stretch for the Twins. I mean, you can look at it the other way where the Astros played some of those teams and they got swept by the Yankees and they got they lost two ser- they lost series of the A's and they lost two series of the Royals. So I don't know how exactly you weigh that um, because they you know they really struggled against some of the teams that the Twins managed to beat when they needed to do it to wrap up their postseason series. So I don't know at this point it's. Um, I'm not sure how much, like, you look at, I guess, down the stretch. Um, one thing the Twins did manage to do a little bit better in the second half was uh, hit left-handed pitching. They really struggled against left-handed pitching for a, a lot of the first half, uh, which is an issue for the, a team that um, really relies a lot on matchups. But they managed to do that a lot better in the second half. I, I don't know how much that will come into play, though, in this series because there's a possibility the Astros don't carry uh, more than one left-handed pitcher. I mean, Valdez is their only left-handed starter, and they're still weighing whether or not they even need a left-handed reliever. They didn't use one last year, to your point, where their bullpen was so good, um, and they did not have a single left-handed reliever, um, and they managed to win the World Series um, despite it. I I think, yeah, the bullpens are going to be... I think the Astros bullpen has to be looked at uh, as a bit of a key, a bit of a strength. I mean, yeah. Putting aside what they did last season, you look at just the uncertainty in the rotation this year beyond Verlander and Valdez. I, I think the way that it's lining up, Dana Brown said today that uh, going in, the plan is for Jose Arquí to probably be in the bullpen. Uh, I think that's an extremely strong indication that Christian Javier is lined up to start game three of the ALDS. I, I don't know exactly where that leaves them for a potential game four starter if the series is to get there because... You know, for Kitty is pressed into relief uh, duty in, in one of the first three games and, and has to work multiple innings. That would probably likely potentially leave him unavailable for a start in game four, even though he was uh, so clutch for them in that spot start in Arizona. And so then you would think they probably turn to either JP France or Hunter Brown for a potential game four start. Uh, and both of those rookies obviously had their struggles down the stretch. I mean, the other option would be going back to Verlander on short rest, but I, I don't think that's happened almost ever uh, in his career. And the, the times that it maybe has happened in the playoffs, it hasn't worked out as well. So so there's, there are some questions still with the rotation uh, beyond those top two. And so I think that is where uh, Houston's bullpen especially is going to be, um, be key because, it, you, you know, I mean, you always hear about the potential to shorten the game from the back end, right? So... Yeah, they. I think their record was something like seventy-two and six this year when they had a lead after the sixth inning. So I mean, if they can get a lead after the sixth inning, then you turn it over to that back three of Neris, uh, Brayu, Presley, Neris and Abreu who have been so good for them all season. Uh, and Presley, I mean, he's had a couple of hiccups, but he has also been pretty, pretty consistently good for them. And so I. I the way that that was the way that it worked out for a lot of last year. I think seven of the 10 wins that they had in the postseason, uh, or seven of the 11 wins, uh, that they had in the postseason was, uh, were either by one or two runs. So, I mean, you're really relying a lot on the bullpen to nail it down, which as you pointed out, I mean, their, their bullpen combined for like a sub one ERA. So I think it, it's, it's tough to expect that they're going to do that again, but this is, uh, largely a similar group. Rafael, obviously, Rafael Montero, who was a big part of their back-end plan last year, has regressed uh, a little bit this season, so you don't know exactly what role he's going to be in. Phil Maton, who they didn't have in the playoffs last year because of the uh, the hand uh, injury, is 
back with them now and had a really good September after he had some struggles in the middle of the season and then missed time after he took the comeback or line drive off his elbow. So he could be another guy who gets into that um, maybe middle innings leverage mix or sort of fireman role where he comes in in uh, maybe a, a tough spot in like the fifth, uh, see if he can get it. He can get them out of something like that where then, you know, maybe they preserve a lead or they keep a game close to turn it over to the higher leverage guys late. Um, and then Kendall Graveman uh, has also entered some of those situations, although he did not pitch a whole lot in September. Uh, I would think he's still up there in the hierarchy, but um, he only had something like eight or nine appearances in September. So uh, it'll be interesting to see exactly how they roll it out there. But I think they do have the depth and experience there where they could probably rely pretty heavily on the bullpen if need be in at least, you know, a couple of that. I'm sure they'll they'll be hoping that they get deep starts from Verlander and Valdez. But if they need to in later games or ensuing games, maybe go into that bullpen a little bit earlier they probably feel like they have the arms to do it. And there's also, they're still weighing whether they're going to carry 13 pitchers, which is something that they haven't done uh, the last two years of the LDS. The last two years, they went 14 position players, 12 pitchers to give them an extra option on the bench. This year, uh, Dana Brown said they are considering doing that even split where they have 13 pitchers, which gives them a little bit of extra coverage in the bullpen. That way, maybe you can carry an extra long reliever. If Urquidy is going to be one guy, then maybe they could carry both France and Brown have one of them lined up as a potential game four starter and and the other as just, you know, depth coverage in the bullpen if they need to go go there earlier than hoped. Um, so there there's still a lot of ways that it can shake out. But to the original point, yeah, I think uh, even though it would be really hard to expect that that relief group is going to turn in another October like they did. Last year, I think there is um, reason to think that they could lean pretty heavily on them at some points. I want to maybe ask you about one particular player for the Astros. I was thinking about the fact we, we mentioned getting the, the off days. You get the five days off. Alex Bregman played 161 games this year, and I know Dusty is big on giving his regulars a rest, and it just didn't seem like he was had that opportunity. Now, Bregman finished, I think, with 102 runs, 98 RBIs, 25 homers, 92 walks, good counting totals, but it looked to me like he was maybe faltering a little bit there those last couple of weeks. What do you think this West does for him, and what do you look for from him in this series? Yeah, I think it. I mean, I think it helps him. I think it helps everybody um, because not only the rest, but they had to win the division this year in a different way than they won it in previous years. I mean, the last what was the last year that they had a lead lower than two and a half games in September in the division, like 2016 or 2017. I mean, it's been. It, it's been a long time since they actually had to play it down to the wire. And this year they had to play it down to the wire. So they couldn't rest regulars over the last week or two. They couldn't take pitches out early, stagger their pitching plans just to make sure the guys were getting in some of that built-in rest. So uh, so I think in previous years, they probably got to this four or five-day break between the end of the season and the LDS, and guys were already kind of rested, whereas this time nobody, <laughs> nobody really was rested. I mean... Uh, Dusty Baker joked about that a little bit today, saying like the day after the regular season, he slept until 1030, which is the latest he slept in since like high school. <laughs> and uh, he said he woke up and was alarmed, like he didn't know what was going on. But um, Bregman, uh, yeah, Bregman having just shouldered the workload that he did, I think that'll help him. But um, I mean, there were quite a few guys who were playing pretty much every day down the stretch. Kyle Tucker, 
was in the in the lineup regularly. He got the one day off. Uh, I think it was in Kansas City. You know, Jordan Alvarez was dealing with a couple of things down the stretch where uh, they can play him in the outfield for a little bit because of whatever the elbow issue was that he was dealing with with the throwing elbow. Um, yeah, I mean, just the you know the, the games, the bats, and everything sort of add up. So I think just having the breather, not only allowing the Astros to kind of reset their pitching and plan the rotation like they would like. I, and the, the bullpen, I mean, I I think it was big to get the uh, the relievers some rest because, you know, had they gone into a wild card series where they had to play Tuesday, uh, I think they would have been a little bit shorthanded. I, I don't know about shorthanded, but they would have not been fully set uh, in the bullpen and they would have had to figure out some way to uh to you know who's going to start game two after Alfred Valdez would probably start game one they avoided a lot of headaches um just by you know by winning the division and getting themselves this this extra break so yeah I think just kind of to a man it was probably pretty big for them so let me uh get your brief responses if I just start each of these two sentences and you can probably figure out how I'll start the second one but the Astros win this series because oh because they get they get contributions from the guys they're supposed to. Verlander and Valdez have good starts. They shut down the uh, the Twins lineup, and the main guys in their lineup hit. I mean, I, you look at just the the strength of of the two teams, of the rotations, and of the lineups, and I think you think that the the Astros' potency should win out. So, I mean, if they're if their regulars do what you expect their regulars to do, I think I think they would win the series. The Astros lose the series because the opposite of that, I guess, is because the um, you know the, the big hitters don't have the the production that you would expect. I think th- what really sort of scuttled them down the stretch uh, was well, one one big thing was a lack of timely hits. They had quite a few you know scoring chances in the like, last two and a half weeks that went unfulfilled i think they hit something like 180 with runners in scoring position over their last 17 games or so and so i think something like that happens combined with you know one of the two top uh the top two starters um having an off day or something then then maybe they you know they split in houston and have to go back to minnesota with a a one one then maybe they're getting a little bit of trouble but yeah i would say it's just not getting what uh, what they would expect from from the guys who were supposed to lead them. Well, if the first round showed us anything, it's that this uh, that baseball isn't always going to play to chalk. I mean, the Diamondbacks beat the Brewers, the Rangers beat the Rays, and so anything is certainly possible. I guess I look at it as like maybe the only reason the Astros lose the series is just because of their um, the fact that they struggled at home. They finished thirty nine and forty two there, but it's just hard to see them losing. To me, this series against the Twins, but hey, they still got to go out and play them, and um, uh, it's good to have playoff baseball back in Houston. Is that Houston goes for its seventh consecutive trip to the League Championship Series and is trying to become the first team to win back-to-back World Championships since the Yankees won three in a row from 1998 to 2000. You'll be able to follow all the coverage of the Astros' playoff run in the pages of the Houston Chronicle and at HoustonChronicle.com with Matt Kawahara and our outstanding sports team. And uh, we thank you for listening to this edition uh, dugout download previewing this ALDS series. We'll be talking to you throughout the playoffs. We also extend our thanks, as always, to Pirate Audio for their end on the production of it. I'm Steve Shepard, and we'll be talking to you soon 